just a few thoughts on on this year, and I feel like um, we'll get into the messaging and just what I want to say, but I just had a few thoughts on just what's happening, what the Lord is doing in the coming year. This work, the the year is five seven seven seven, right? And and there's been a lot of words, and I've read a lot of words, and everything kind of overlaps. Um, but we are believing that number seven is what perfection, completion, right, in the kingdom. And we want to believe that God's going to bring everything in your life into completion. Isn't that a good word? So it's it's actually the picture of a sword, but it's always the picture. It's also actually talking about a clashing of swords. So there may be a battle over your destiny. Everyone knows there's a battle over your destiny and over what you're about to step into, what God's called you to. So there's a battle over that. And so we're believing, right, by through the kingdom that God's going to bring release, right? And um, there's something about the harvest and the evangelism this year, and that is completion as well, but... It's more than just a harvest as we see evangelism. I believe it's a harvest in maturity. And you can believe for maturity in your life. That God wants to raise you up. Come on, some of us are still little kids. I am. But hopefully in the spirit I'm not. But, you know, childlike heart will keep me young. And childlike heart brings me into faith too. So... But we want to believe that God's going to bring us into the fullness of maturity, the maturity of what God wants to complete in your life and do in your life. And there will be a war that's waged. And uh, Numbers, there was a scripture that the Lord uh, brought to my mind. And I started writing this stuff down, of course, copy and pasted like a crazy man on my phone. Numbers 14, and we know there's, there's that um, encounter where Caleb is asking... Right? Believing and declaring that what the giants that you see before you, well, you're not grasshoppers, you're what? Come on, they're bread for you. Right? That was the word of the Lord. It said this. It says, And they spoke to all the congregation, and the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceeding what? Good land. Right? God called you to a good place. He's called you from the place that's behind you that maybe wasn't so good and wasn't so great. And you just assume, forget it, right? But sometimes we can't forget it. Sometimes it just stays there. But God's going to give you grace to overcome that thing, right? The past stuff, the things we went through. Come on, you're going to go through more stuff in your life. It's just a fact. But God's going to give you grace to get through it. So it says this, that, that the report was this, that they spied the land and it was good. And everything ahead of you is good. You really want to go into that place. And if the Lord delights in us, which he does, that's what the scripture said, the Lord delights in us. Look at your neighbor and really tell them the Lord delights in you. Because I think some of us don't, don't believe that God delights in us. He really does delight in you, and he wants good things for you. And so if the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it to us. Going to give it to you. There'll be a little battle, but you have to, come on, he wants to give it to you. And so that's going to take some things that you need to step into and move into. And so the land which is filled with what? Milk and honey. That's good stuff. That's the anointing. And that's the anointing on your life. And that's the anointing that you get to slip and slide. 
right in. Come on. It's the anointing. It's a good thing. And so he will give this to us. And so it says, but don't only rebel against the Lord. Uh-oh. All this good stuff he's saying is don't rebel against the Lord. Okay, what's the rebellion? That fearing the people in the land. But Caleb said, they're our bread. All right, so you need to be what? One of the two witnesses, not the other ten. We need to believe by faith that God's going to bring us into the land. Joshua and Caleb believed the good report. And so we need to stand on the side of the Lord because, listen, they left the land with the, the fruit, you know, the grapes. Come on, they were organic. They weren't like the little shrivelly organic grapes we get. They were organic, you know, before the stuff messed up in the fall. Come on, they were huge. And so there was plenty of fruit. And God wants your life to be fruitful and not shriveled up. Come on, bountiful fruit that the Lord has for you. So we have to believe for that. And God wants us to do that. And, and so this goes along with the manifestation of the sons of God. The Lord is going to meet you in a perfect way. And I believe that. Perfection, right? Number seven, perfection. Number five, you're going to have the grace. Right? Grace, perfection, completion. It's all good with the sevens. Got a whole lot of sevens in this year, and that's good stuff. And so we're coming out of the year of what? Jubilee. And so what happens after the land rests? The best thing about the land resting is that it becomes really, really fruitful after. Because that's why they rested the land. That's why they rested. That's why they rotate crops. So they can rest the land. And so if we move out of the place of rest, we're going to see a lot of good things and a lot of fruit and a lot of cultivation and a lot of things growing and increasing. And so we need to believe for that. The true people of God will be the people who are asking and asking little. No, wrong answer. Big. Right? You're going to ask ex extravagantly. Right? And we need to believe that the Lord is going to answer our prayers. Don't you, you know, who wants, I don't want to ask the Lord for little things. You know, I'm not talking about material things. I want to believe for big things in God's kingdom and in his presence and things to shift and move and change. And so if we don't, if we ask little, I think we get little. Because he will answer our prayers. Just how bold are we going to be with our prayers? Okay. And so he wants to use you, and he wants to, you are created, he wants you to speak and be using things creative out of the spirit of prophecy. That means what? We speak the things forth that we do not see yet, as though they were. We're going to get into this again later in a minute. But the Holy Spirit wants us to believe and speak forth and prophesy to the things that you have not seen yet manifest in your life. And it's not saying, oh no, it's another year. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna prophesy breakthrough this year, and none of it's gonna happen. Huh. No, silly. <laughs> no, we're gonna believe for good things. We're gonna prophesy according to our faith, and we're gonna, it's gonna line up. Come on, what you're gonna see is what you're gonna speak, and it's gonna line up with your language. So be careful what you say. Okay. Side of the wind. Go into 
that. God's giving me charge over the heavenly courts. We'll get more into that later in the year. But I feel like um, he wants to really give us an understanding of how to work with heaven. Because heaven's our reality. Okay? We'll talk about that now. So, Father, I just ask that you just help us to continue to walk in the ways of faith. We thank you for a fresh new year and a new year to do great things. We're already through the month halfway. Believe it. It's going to be New Year's when you turn around. But Father, we know that you're going to proceed and do things that we believe for. We're going to see the manifestation of those things and be by the end of the year and going into the next. And so we thank you that you, we live in time and space with you. And your creative power moves with us. And so we thank you, Lord. I just ask that you illuminate the word tonight to us, that you help us to grab hold of simple truths tonight, that we walk in the spirit of truth, and that the patriots would tear up Tennessee, Texas, I mean the Texans, in Jesus' name. Okay. Amen. I had to just, you know, I know, I know we have Tom Brady, but we do need God. Okay, Matthew, I'm reading now the message tonight. Actually, something I posted and tweeted this week. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Actually, 30 through 33. It says, If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, and do his best for you? Let's just stop there for a minute. I had this picture last week. By the way, Callie was, went with me last week. We drove in two cars, which is insane. Two hours apiece. But uh, we went down to a home group in, in Warwick, Rhode Island. Was that? Yes, that's where it was. It was nice. We had a good, good, good time. But I just have to tell you that it was a, we had no worship team. <laughs> they were expecting Victoria to come, and she was flying in or coming in on train and anyway so that and then communication was never made so we didn't have and of course Kelly's helping with music getting you know technical stuff with the iPads and computers anyway we had a good time just worshiping for a bit but the Holy Spirit was so strong in the meeting can I tell you this I just have to testify to this because God really wants to just show up whether it be in your house or here, or the pizza joint next door. Come on, Mark. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Holy Spirit really showed up, and I'm telling you, it was such a tangible way. And I shared some of these things, but the Lord gave me this, this, this uh, illustration about assessing value, in which there was a lot of strength on. So I'm believing for a lot of strength tonight on this. I'm just bringing it in a little different way so you get part two. But the Holy Spirit, listen, at the end of the meeting when we began to pray for people, we prayed for healing, and then all of a sudden I just said, I just began to say, I, raised, I said, people, raise your hands up. And I could feel, and I literally, if you put your hands up, put your hands up, I could feel this against my hand. And it wasn't for just a moment. It was like the whole end of the night. It was like, Whoa, I would do my, put my hands down. Come on, I got angels doing waves in there. 
and it was strong, like real strong. And people really got touched, and I know some ladies got real deliverance that night. And it was just an awesome thing. So you just need to listen, whether it's in someone's kitchen, I mean, there's 20 people there, but, or here, we need to believe that God's manifest presence is coming to visit with us. The reality of the kingdom. And um, anyway, how do we determine and assess value, right? He says in this verse right here, he says, don't you think that he'll attend to you, take pride in you, and, have, and think best for you? Because the Father does. He does, you know, he's, this is that whole thing that Jesus was ministering to, to, to the disciples, to the multitude, saying, listen, don't worry about the stuff, because God's got it all under control, right? And if, he, if he's looking out for the wildflowers that no one sees, they don't do anything, they don't toil, they don't spin, right? How much more? Is he, work, is he taking care of you? So two things, because I thought about my my mother-in-law used to be in the antique business, and I was thinking these things, like how do you how do you assess value to things? Right? And how does God assess our value? First, how rare is it? And there's seven billion people on the earth, right? And there's only one you. Seven billion, one you. No one has the fingerprints like you do. Well, they took my picture at the, at the at the registry the other day, and they they said it was the facial recognition. I'm like, seriously? Like, come on, come on. There's only one of me. I know people say I look like other people, but there's only one of me. There's only one of you. So that's one way how we declare and figure out how something is. How rare is it? How do we assess value to it? How rare are you? The other thing is how or what what is what is someone willing to pay for it? And we have this verse, right? In 1 Peter that says, knowing that you're not redeemed with what? Corruptible things like silver or gold, but you are redeemed with what? The precious blood of Christ without spot or blemish. So how valuable are you? And a lot of us have a lot of, we, we, have, a tr we have trouble understanding our own value. Because first of all, you don't realize that you're rare. And you don't real, realize what you're worth. That's the truth. And so God wants us, and even that word in that verse, precious, right? Precious blood, it's translated incalculable. That means you can't put, you can't assess. You don't have, there's no value, there's no description of the value that we can put on precious blood. Because the blood of Christ is the most precious thing in the universe, in eternity. All value is in the blood because it redeemed humanity. By one drop on your life, the redemption and the change and the transformation of who you are because of the blood of Jesus Christ, because he sacrificed himself, God, fully man, come on, came to the earth and decided, up here, I'm going to die. He could have chose not to. He could have said, no, I'm not going down that road. I'll do something else. I'll figure something else out. But there was no other way because there is no redemption unless there's the what? Shedding of blood. And so I want you to think for yourself, how valuable are you? 
if the Lord himself gave his life for you, his precious blood for you, I think that's where we have, right? And you can feel that come into the room right there. If you're just uh, sensitive to the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit pushing that down from the ceiling up. The reality of the redemptive power that he wants to bring to you and your understanding tonight. So then he says this, what am I trying to do here? Trying to get you to relax. I know I went off the heavy. I'm trying to get you to relax, to not be what? Preoccupied with getting, which is what we do when we come to the Lord. We think about what we get. I know I'm the only one in the room. But I think about what I can get from God. What am I getting from God? Okay, I get redemption. Right? I receive justification. I receive a lot of things. But it says this, so that you can respond to what God's giving. Because God is always moving. Do you understand that? He's always moving. He's always wanting to release something to your life. He is always ready to give you something. Whether we are really understanding that or we perceive that, because most of us don't perceive what God's about to release because we're too focused on self. Me first. I get focused on what what's happening. What are you doing? What are, it's the truth and God is already doing and he's already moving and we're so consumed with God what can I get gimme 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 am I being touched now I don't feel it well you've been touched by the blood of Christ it totally radically transformed you whether you think so or not because that's usually the reason we don't think so right but as a man thinketh so, he is, right? And so we're preoccupied. Preoccupied with getting and not seeing what God's giving. So it says, people, don't you know, don't you know God way? People who don't know God way, sorry, and the way he works and fusses over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Ready? Here's the punchline. Steep your life. In God reality, God initiative, God provision. And don't worry about missing out. You'll find all of your everyday human concerns will be met. I just like the translation. I like the way it comes forth. And I just want to talk about a couple of things. First about steep. Let me have my wife up here to talk about steep for a minute. <laughs> Steeping. Steeping is to immerse or immerse in or saturate with something pervading or absorbing or even stupefying influence. Come on. It surrounds or fills with quality or influence. Steeping. It's like marinating, except marinating is the opposite. Marinating, you take a piece of meat or chicken and you put it in something and what is outside comes in. But I'm telling you, God's on the inside already. Come on, the kingdom's all around you. But God's, come on, he's inside you and he's trying to permeate your being. He's trying to permeate who you are and the substance of who you are and change you 
Come on, you're already changed. But change you from the inside. That's how the kingdom works, from the inside out. And so you want to steep yourself in what? His reality? And what does his reality look like? See, we become what we behold, right? What I, what I gaze at is what I become. What I look at, if I look and I... That's why, the, that's why Joshua was exhorted. Listen, if you meditate on this, if you, if you really chew, if you meditate, if you ingest the word, right? And the words that I have spoken to you, they will become part of you. They will be infused inside of you, right? The living word, Hebrews chapter 4, which says this, that it's the living word that's, that comes and cuts the bone, right? Marrow and the internal, but sees the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And so the Holy Spirit's trying to get at us, come on, this year, the whole year, the entire year, and he's trying to get on the inside, and he's trying to work his way out. Come on, it's the kingdom manifesting from the inside of us out and being released into the, into, come on, your family, into the people around you, into your business, into your work. You know, he really wants to come and show himself. So we become transfused by atmospheres that we choose to live in. That's the marinade. Come on, the more you, you cultivate the presence of God, the more we desire God's presence, come on, it says that if we draw close to him, he'll come to us. Come on, he draws close to us, if we draw close to him, all of a sudden is this, this convergence of you and God together. And what happens? God all of a sudden permeates every part of your being. And the problem is we stand outside and we try to figure God out. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit's saying this. Listen, it, most of the time, and I, I really believe this. I said this a week ago. 20 years of ministry, most of the time when I can figure it out, it's not God. Sorry. And that'll mess people up. But that's the truth. I really believe that. The more God comes and he does stuff that I go, I, there's no way that could have ever happened like that. Well, he did it. And that takes me completely off the hook. Right? But God has really wanted to really get at this thing because we are so dependent on understanding what he's about to do and have him read play by play. And usually it doesn't work like that. You know, he doesn't, he always abides in his word, but I'm telling you, sometimes what his word will reveal could be something totally different than we thought. So God's asking you, listen, he's, he wants to shout his truths to us. He wants to shout his truths, but listen, when we get into close places with him, he begins to whisper his secrets. Most of the time he's whispering. You know, he'll shout his word. So kingdom, let's just look at God realities. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, kingdom realities. Listen, I looked up. I looked reality in a new science article. Listen, I advise that you don't do that. Oh, my goodness. I'm looking for a definition on reality. Because I'm like, oh, what is reality? Like, really? What is reality? Reality is this chair. Well, really, that chair is molecules. And really, what the molecules are made up out of. When it comes down to it, our whole world is made up of numbers. 
because it's reduced, 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 reduced. That's where all <laughs> you won't go there. Because I'll be out here, I'll be here all night trying to talk myself out of corner. But the reality is, the physics aspect of what reality is is not reality of all at all. It's what we're cognitive of. It's what we believe. It's what we think. And most of what we think is messed up. Some of it. I'll say some of it. Okay, it's a better assessment. But then we have now faith is the substance of things hoped for. And the evidence of things not seen. So what is reality? Reality is something I can't see in the kingdom. Reality is something that I have to believe for in the kingdom. Reality is, is just God's kingdom manifesting somewhere at some time. And if I'm believing for healing, I have to pray and lay hands on someone and declare healing. But I'm speaking a word and then someone's healed. That's reality. But can you see it? Can you touch it? Can you feel it? Sometimes. Sometimes someone will get a, boom, a bolt. But most of the time when I pray for folks and they get healed then I don't feel anything. I'm telling you, 90% of the time when I pray for people and they get completely healed or something, that I don't feel anything. So what's the reality? Did something happen or did it not happen? Something happened. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen, right? The kingdom of God is near you. That's the reality. It means this, that the kingdom's always near. It's just always in close proximity of you. That's reality. Why? Because the Word says that to me. So if God's Word is not reality, well, I'll have people's heads spinning in a minute, but it's the truth. The reality of the Word. God wants to manifest Himself in His Word through your life. I'm losing you? No. I'm getting, I've got people like that. It's the reality of what God wants you to walk in. The reality of the knowledge of knowing that the kingdom of God is always around you and always near you. Right? The kingdom, Jesus said it this way, the kingdom of heaven is in you. Right? And, and that's what I was just talking about before, because the heavens, even the Lord, even the Lord, the heavens can't contain the Lord. That's reality. Well, that's so much for that chair. Okay. Kingdom of heaven is just wanting to come. Listen, this is the reality. God reality. That's where God wants us to, to live. He wants us to steep ourselves. He wants us to marinate in the fact that he is in things that we don't understand. That he's inside of us and we don't understand that. So he wants us to marinate. He wants us to steep ourselves. He wants us to live a life in that place. God initiatives. He wants to steep ourselves in God's initiatives. Ready? What's initiative? It's the power or ability to begin. I mean, we're going to be 
I'm going to believe this is going to be philosophy class tonight. Kingdom philosophy. Here we go. To follow through energetically and with a plan. Right? To begin or introductory steps. That's initiative. The power or ability to begin, to follow through energetically with a plan or a task. A beginning or introductory step, an opening to move. What is God? He wants you to steep yourself in this thought. God is opening a door for you. God is initiating something for you to do. God has things for you to do that he's just going to open up for you. For you. This is why sometimes we pray about cutting the hangnail off. <laughs> Sorry. We pray about all this stuff, but if God opens a door, listen, he is good enough, he can close a door as fast as he opens it, I believe. And sometimes we walk through doors and things don't turn out like we thought, and that's okay, because you know what? There's a lesson on the other side of it. Okay, so we can walk in truth and understand and know. Yes, we want to know the will. We want to know the perfect will of God. But I'm telling you, he is initiating so many things, and we, we're afraid to move. And he wants you to steep yourself. He wants you to marinate in the fact and know God's opening a door. For what? So that you can be confident in this very thing, that you began a good work in you. Will complete it. It's not just like a thought, he might complete it. No, he will complete it. He will finish that thing. And so... We just need to have confidence in that when he opens the door, he's beginning something. It's just the beginning. So take just courage. How's that? Just courage. Because most of us, we, we operate out of holding back or stepping back or not stepping in the fullness because we're really unsure. I'm unsure. I don't know about these weird people. Am I going to come here again? God started something. He initiated something. Come on, come on, come back. But there's truth in that, and that He wants us to know that when we go through the door, come on, He's walking with us. He's walking with us, right? He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. At least that's what my Bible said. He doesn't leave me. He's always with me. He doesn't forsake me. He doesn't walk away. He doesn't move away. He doesn't buy real estate across the street and watch me and laugh at me. Right? But he's looking for me, and he's cheering me on. Come on, there's a cloud of witnesses that is cheering you on on the open door initiative for you. And you have to believe that. That when kingdom's involved and he wants to open you, listen, you've got, you've got, you're walking in the reality of the kingdom. Then he opens an, a, a door. He initiates. He starts something. He, he presses something open and he moves like, like the door that no man can shut. And he closes the doors that no man can open. So listen, we, we fumble around worrying whether it's the right place to be. We do. We really get hung up on that. And I believe that, you know, one person told me, you know, if God keeps opening doors, then you keep going through them. But the problem is we just get stuck. But you have to understand that if you're, come on, if you're steeping, 
if you're marinating, if you're living in the kingdom reality that when he does something, he's going to follow it through, then you have this confidence in him. That when you ask him something, because we're asking things and he opens stuff and then we go, wait. It's true. And we step back. So he's, he's going to do this, right? And then Second Peter, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Then we talk about God provision. And God wants to really give us this understanding that he is the provider, right? That he's going to do it. And it's provision in a lot more than just finances. Come on, he's opening up everything. Ready? Second Peter, he's provided healing, deliverance, and salvation for us through the redemption of the finished work, right? That's, that's it. He's provided He's provided all the things that we need. Because Peter tells me this. Grace and peace be to you. First, Second Peter 1, 2 through 4. Grace and peace be multiplied. I like that. I'll take a multiplication of grace and peace on my life. In the knowledge of God, give me double-double. We read stuff and we don't read it through. It's like, oh, it's a very nice beginning. But God, really? Really, but the Lord's saying, this is what I want to do through Paul or through Peter and saying this. I want to multiply these things to you that you receive more than you've ever thought or imagined. Right? Ephesians 2. Because he's the guy that just over, he's over the top with his giving. And God wants us to be in this understanding that he is so generous and he's not holding stuff back from us. He's not hiding stuff from us. It's out and open freely. Come on, sometimes it takes kings to find our treasure. And you're a king. You are a king. You've been called to kingship. You've been called to live as royal, you know, royal rule. And that means you search out things so you can pull from heaven's. Come on, heaven's got volumes of things for you to receive. But the most, but the problem is we become just we sit back and we expect God to just do it all, and He will. But He'll open. Come on, again, He opens a door. And then what do we do? We wait. I wait. I wait for the revelation. I wait for the unveiling. No, God says, come in a little deeper. I've got provision. I've got provision beyond what you thought, what you ever thought, and I've got it for you. You just need to move beyond your physical thinking into the God realm. Come on, steep yourself in God provision, Allegra. Steep yourself in it. Verse 3, as his divine power has given us to given us all things pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of him again, come on, who called us by glory and virtue. That means power moving and the glory. That's where he called us. And so here he's given us divine power. He's given us all things. And we say we don't have it. I'm not qualified. I don't have it. Yes, you're qualified. And yes, he's got it on a platter. He's waiting it for you. What? As a matter of fact, he put a table in the midst of your enemies. That's provision. Even in the hardest place, there's a table of provision. That's what, the, that's what my Bible tells me. And so there's going to be some resistance. Come on, church. There's going to be resistance. But he wants to pull you through onto the other side. And really, part of it is just push on our behalf. 
Because sometimes when we look at stuff, it doesn't look, this is not what it looked like. This is not what you showed me before. This is not what you said. No, it's exactly what I said. It just doesn't look like what you thought I said. Right? Verse 4, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these we may be partakers of what? Divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. And so the Lord wants to really give us this understanding that he has, you've already been given a divine nature. You're not working it up. It's been given to you. Exceeding great and precious promises. There's a promise that's been given to us that we can walk in the provision of everything that he's called us to. There is not one thing you lack. There's not one thing that's absent. There's not one thing that you don't have in your tool belt that can get you from here to there. There's not one thing. And I think what happens is we get disillusioned because things don't come easy and there's not always a good flow. And sometimes we end up in momentum and sometimes we hit walls. And when we hit walls, God says, wait a second, what did I tell you? You need to remember, right? He said to Timothy, stir up the gift. Come on, you got to stir up the gift. Timothy was the guy who took over the biggest church in the time and took on sorcery, took on witchcraft, took on idolatry. How many want that job? No, that's like getting, you know, a church in, oh boy, let's think of a hard place. Because we think of New England as a hard place. This isn't even a hard place. You know, Church of Transylvania. Let's go. Okay? I don't know. I'm just trying to put something. Church of, like, like you think of the testimonies we heard last night. You know, people out in Calcutta, India, North India. Like that is, they don't play. The Muslims do not play. And so this is Timothy who's been given a promise. And, and Paul yells back at him and says this, you better remember what was prophesied over you. You better remember the words that were spoken over you. You better stir up the gift that's in you so that you can finish the race that you've been called to do. And you know, he died. How many know Timothy was executed? So, we're ending on a good note. I say that to say this. Holy Spirit's calling us to this place where we steep ourselves in those three things. You have to believe that the God reality in your life is much greater than what you ever thought. We have to believe that we, if we just marinate ourselves in that, that the Holy Spirit's going to bring us into a whole other realm. And that we can believe him. That we can believe the power of God to come and change things and transform things in our lives. That there be breakthrough. That there be assistance from heaven. I have my hands up with angels giving me high fives a week ago. It was real. And it wasn't like for two seconds. It was this all night. I just start laying hands on people keep putting my hands in the air. It was good. I wish it could happen every week. But see, sometimes I'm like, I don't feel nothing. 
I don't feel like it, God. Just do it, right? Like I can, Joe, Joe is with me, testify. I don't feel nothing. I don't feel anything. Just pray for the fit, folks. Okay. Miracle, 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 miracle. Healing, healing, healing. Strokes healed. Blindness healed. Cataracts gone. Done. Why? Because it's me? No, it's because it doesn't look like me. It doesn't matter how I feel. We become so egotistical in this. I don't feel like it. And the reality is he just wants to initiate. He wants to open things up. And when God opens it, he won't close the door. And we need to believe that he's going to provide. He's going to do everything that we need. Let's stand.